Hi everyone, welcome to episode four of Canva Connects. This week we have a great guest. We were, uh, or I was, lucky enough to sit down earlier today uh, and speak to uh, Becky O'Farrell from Caveo Insurance. She is the technology recruitment partner there. We covered off everything from the differences between external and internal recruitment, uh, recruitment process, recruiting during the pandemic, um, contracts at perm, do salaries matter on front sheets, uh, and obviously the most important question at the end of all these interviews is the duck versus horse battle, which I know a few of you have already commented on here on LinkedIn. Do give it a watch, do give it a download. It's available obviously here on LinkedIn, um, but it's also available as a Spotify link um, so you can listen to the audio version. Enjoy. Thank you. We are delighted to welcome Becky O'Farrell here from Caveo Insurance this afternoon. Hi, Becky. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. You? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Okay, starting from the beginning, you went to the University of Huddersfield um, doing fashion, and that led straight into recruitment. How did that sort of transition go from obviously doing a degree in, in something completely non-recruitment related <laughs> to moving into the recruitment industry? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, quite a strange move, I think, when you look at it like that. So um, like a lot of recruiters, I think I kind of fell into recruitment straight from university. Um, really enjoyed my degree in fashion and textiles, but I think after doing a placement year, kind of realised that that industry wasn't really for me. Um, finished the degree, but then find myself, you know, looking for any any graduate job, fell into recruitment. Um, in executive search as a generalist researcher um, quite quickly moved into their IT leadership practice and have been in um, recruitment ever since. Right. And when you when you first got into recruitment I'm always interested to know did you just take it initially because it was a job or did you did you have long-term aspirations and think that this could potentially be a career move for me? I think initially when I applied to it it was just a graduate job um, but then yeah. once I started to look into it a bit more, um, had a couple of interviews, went to the company, everything like that, I think I thought, actually, yeah, this this could be the career for me. And especially after a couple of months in the role, um, yeah. I really enjoyed it and, and couldn't really see myself doing anything else. It's the I just love speaking with different people every day, helping them find the jobs and, and the variety of it, really. Yeah. And that was agency side. When you first yeah, started. yeah. So I started in exec search, um, uh-huh. and then I kind of moved between the two. So did a couple of years in executive search at Berwick Partners, and then moved into um, in-house tech recruitment again at Skybet, um, yeah. where I was there for getting on for a couple of years, and then did a, another short stint in agency before I kind of realised what I missed about being in-house <laughs> and went back in-house quite quickly to Caveya and that's where I am now. Yeah, interesting you say that. I've only ever worked on this side, but obviously a lot of people make the move you made. What is it about in-house that suits you more than the agency side of things? I mean, what is, I suppose, what is the fundamental difference and what is it about that that suits you? Yeah, for me, I think the main difference is being in the business that you're recruiting for, being part of that, seeing mm-hmm. the people that you've hired come in and, and deliver all this cool stuff. And, and yeah, yeah, just really feeling part of something rather than kind of being outside and, and delivering a service almost. Um, 
the the kind of bread and butter of the roles I suppose are are similar you know the sourcing the hiring interviewing filling roles um but I really enjoy the breadth of things that comes with an internal recruitment role as well so you know events um employee brand everything really a bit more of the strategic side of things um that makes it I think a bit more suited to me um than than external recruitment definitely and we will come on to this a little bit more later on but do you think as it's come up now do you think that your background on this side of the fence if you like on the agency side do you think that makes you do you have a greater empathy for for recruiters who are trying to work with Caveo or ring you a million times every week or, or email you a thousand times a day. Do you feel, do you empathise a little bit more with that because you've been on this side of the fence? I think so, yeah, because I yeah. I kind of understand what you, you have to do to, to mm. do your job at the end of the day. And I think it also allows me to understand what you need as an agency recruiter to do a good job um, yeah. in terms of kind of all the information you need, all that sort of thing. So I think it does help to, to have experience on both sides. Yeah, definitely. So just in short, obviously you're at Caveya now, just as a very a quick overview, who are Caveya apart from the biggest insurance company no one's ever heard of? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, you've stolen what I always say. So yeah, we're, we're a big insurance company. A lot of people have never heard of us um, because we don't have any direct to consumer products under the name Caveya. Um, so we have all sorts of different insurance products from, you know, pet, motor, high net worth, commercial, protection, um, all sorts. The list goes on. But um, a lot of them are kind of delivered through brokers and third parties and a lot of white label products. Um, so one example I, I use because a lot of people can kind of understand it is if you were to buy your car insurance through John Lewis, um, that's one of our like, white label products. That's us behind that um, with their branding on the front. And we have quite a few relationships like that. Um, in terms of the, the sort of tech and Covey Digital, we're in the middle of a really big digital transformation at the moment. So really exciting time to be part of Caveya. Um, that's changing everything from kind of the ways that we work. We've already really undergone that shift to the agile ways of working. That's pretty well established. But we're still on that journey of transforming everything from our internal systems right through to our external facing products and um, doing some really industry changing stuff, actually. So really exciting time to be joining. But I think it's, it's quite a, a good opportunity to join something that's almost got kind of the feel of a startup in terms of the investment in the tech, the pace that we're moving, but that security of being part of that quite bigger insurance business as well. Yeah. You sound as though you've answered that question before. You've got that answer <laughs> down. I don't, don't know if I've actually answered it as a question before, but I speak to a lot of candidates. No, whenever I speak to candidates, no one knows who we are. So well, I probably say it? that about... 10 times a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. You, that, was, that was flawless. And so what is your specific role there? What, what's your role at Caveya day to day? Yeah, so I am technology recruitment partner. So responsible for essentially everything tech recruitment. Um, mm -hmm. So when I joined back in October, the whole talent acquisition team were very new. Uh, before that, recruitment was essentially just handled by the hiring managers. Uh, sort of they just filled their own role and um, so it was all sort of very reactive very agency reliant and um, quite chaotic to be honest so very expensive and hard to manage so when I came in one of the first things that I was 
to do was to really introduce a little bit of process um, and bring a little bit of organisation to things. Um, that's all in place now. Everything's running pretty smoothly, but my role's really broad, which I love. So it's everything from kind of the hands-on sourcing um speaking with candidates finding them you know the right person for the role right through to um events resource planning um employer brand everything basically that you can can think of that comes under tech recruitment is me definitely so did you i mean you talk about digital transformation it sounds as though there was almost a recruitment transformation in october when you joined did you have to get all the managers buy-ins to, to completely changing the way they all worked uh, as one? Or, or was everyone on board with, yes, this is a bit a bit crazy how we go about it, it's a bit disjointed, we need someone like yeah. that to bring it all together? It was somewhere between the two, really, I think, because the I think the SLT were all pretty bought in because they could see sort of the, the cost of how they were working. Um, but with some of the other hiring managers and, and stakeholders, it was a little bit more of a challenge to get their buy-in because mm -hmm. if they didn't sort of really realise the costs associated with just sort of going to these agencies, there is a lot of benefits to, to sort of recruiting the way they were as well. You know, it was fast, it was easy, it was kind of just done for them. All they had to do was look at CVs, say yes, no, and, and do a couple of interviews. Um, yeah. So I think it, it has been quite a long process getting that buy-in from the hiring managers and stakeholders and probably one of the biggest challenges of, of my role, to be honest, so far. Um, but I think we're getting to that point now where the seeing, the seeing the process is working in terms of sort of actually getting the right people into the role. But I can also see them show them the sort of numbers as well and the kind of savings that we're making by increasing our direct hires. Um, and I think just having that evidence to back it up as well as a, a nice, efficient process should make their lives a little bit easier and just yeah. really helps with that buy in. Yeah, exactly. If they see it working. So, so what would you say is your process from job spec landing in your inbox? How, how do you work? I'm not sort of talking about specifics and giving away trade secrets about how you find candidates or anything like that. But do you guys sort of have a, a time to hire whereby you'll be given X amount of time to direct source and then you'll go out to agencies? Or how does that process work with regards to your uh, the internal situation there at Cavea? Yeah, so we've got quite a I think we've got quite a good a good process in place now. It's nothing, I'd say, groundbreaking or anything like that. But essentially how it works is whenever the hiring manager feels they have a need for a new role within their team, um, they have to, whether it's a new or a backfill, they have to submit a role request form um, to myself. And then what we have is a weekly resource meeting with the SLT and um, our sort of someone who heads up our IT finance team. And from there, we discuss all the role requests. They're either approved or not approved um, and nothing can be kind of recruited if it's not gone through that meeting because where I think that's in place, essentially when I joined, there wasn't any kind of approval process or anything like that. So sometimes we get quite far down the line with recruitment before anyone actually realised we were recruiting for this role um, and it might not necessarily be the budget for it. So, so does that just kind of make sure that everything's in place before we even sort of press go? Um, from there, there's obviously the whole kind of, I, I'll sit down with the hiring manager, we'll put together a bit of a sourcing plan and um, we'll make a bit of an interview plan and um, all that sort of thing, just so we're both on the same page. I'll find out exactly what they're looking for. Um, we have fairly recently at this point then introduced a bit of a delay before we go out to agencies. 
um, we are trying to increase our direct hires and one of actually the most effective things has been implementing this short delay so we'll always now work the roles directly for at least two weeks in the first instance and then I'll kind of me and the hiring manager will assess where it's at if we're getting kind of the volume and quality of candidates that we need um, if we're not then we'll go out to our PSL and they'll support us on that that's absolutely fine but if we are obviously it's always a bonus if we can fill it directly and um, I think just having that little window to give me a bit of a head start um, d does really help. Um, yeah. So from that, yeah, it's the candidate generation phase. So I'll, I'll do the hands-on sourcing. We'll also, you know, advertise the role on our website and LinkedIn, things like that. Nothing, nothing new there. And then we'll yeah. kind of go through the interviews and, and to offer. Um, so I think it's nothing nothing new, but it's just a really good solid process that, that everyone mm -hmm. understands now and, and it works for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you've kind of hit the nail on the head, I think. So, I mean, you've obviously been been in the industry a while, but where I sit, recruitment agencies, we're, we're almost a plan B, aren't we? And it's probably the way it should be, um, but, but it's got to be an efficient plan B. So you lead me nicely to my next question was, what's your general view of recruitment agencies now? Not just the ones you deal with. Do you guys see them as a kind of a necessary evil? I'm doing down my own industry here. I don't mean a necessary evil, I suppose, but... <laughs> Do you see them as that or do you see them as a potentially a, a valuable part of, of your process there? Yeah, so I think there is there is pros and cons at the end of the day um, to working with agencies. But I think at times they're definitely a really valuable extension of your team. Um, mm -hmm. we're, we're quite a small talent acquisition team. And like I said, I'm the only recruiter in tech. And there's been times where we've had huge volumes of roles, you know, over 100 vacancies at any one time and there's no way that I could have filled them all myself within a, a reasonable time frame so there is instances like that where it, it would be extremely difficult to to work as an internal recruiter without the support of those agencies um, and there's obviously downsides to sometimes working with them um, and I think the kind of it really does vary agency by agency on how kind of helpful they are um, but no, I, I think generally as a whole, they, they can be a really valuable extension of your team. It's just being careful about choosing when you use them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And do you, when you look at recruitment agencies in general, I mean, the, the job's changed a lot, especially in my Jurassic years, but are you just <laughs> looking for agencies who can find the right people, um, buy into your culture, obviously understand the roles, understand the people you want to hire. Or do you look for agencies who offer more than that? You know, I mean, we're doing this video now, which is something two years ago, no one was doing in recruitment, maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. And now it's a lot more than just putting bums on seats. Is that how you look at recruiters or is it just the delivery angle that's really important to you guys there? I think both are important. I think sort of initially it is the ability to fill those roles, to understand what we're looking for, um, to kind of represent us to the market in the best way they can so making sure that candidate experience and everything is as good as it can be and and the ability to follow our process is, is absolutely key I'd say they're the the kind of bread and butter of what you look for in an agency but then those other more value add bits that you spoke about so yeah helping us to put on events or perhaps doing a podcast and and you know CV help for candidates or all those extra value add bits can be very helpful in terms of not only just sort of the candidate experience but also helping to raise awareness of us as an employer in the area as well um, yeah. so there is definitely value in doing those extra things too and I think especially because we have a 
quite a small PSL. We work with only four agencies exclusively. Um, I think doing those extra bits really does make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. I know, you, I know you're not going to um, proactively invite a thousand recruitment calls off the back of this podcast, but if you were on this side of the fence and you wanted to work with a client like Kavea, it doesn't necessarily have to be Kavea, but you know, there are recruit, recruiters out there now coming back from pandemic with zero clients or very few clients and they're desperate to sort of make an impact and get noticed and get new clients on. What would work with you? I'm not saying it's going to work if they ring you tomorrow morning at nine o'clock, but in a general sense, how do people gain your, your attention and uh, get, get, a, get a spot in the back of your mind for future PSL reviews or whatever it may be? Yeah, so I think yeah. in the first instance, when it comes to actually just the approach, it's it's not feeling like spammy. I, I honestly, mm. I probably must get about 10 emails or LinkedIn messages and stuff a day, probably more, um, that just feels very cold very generic or they might be spamming me a cv that we've not even got a vacancy for um, right. and that just completely you know turn off straight away i think i, I do speak with a reasonable amount of agencies every week just having a conversation about what's going on in the market and um, everything how we work everything like that because if someone yeah. approaches me with quite sort of a personalized message just looking for a bit of a chat or they're honest around what they're, they're looking for and they're not trying to spam me um, I'll be quite happy to have a conversation with them and tell them about how we work I think it's got to work both both ways I, I'd like to hear about what what that person can do to, to sort of add value to us um, but no I think it's really important to get that approach right so you don't just kind of blend in with the rest of them Definitely. So if I can now change tech slightly and go back to mid-March, that seems a long time ago now, <laughs> everything's working in the world, and then bang, the pandemic hits. How has that affected yourself and how you work, the recruitment team there and Conveyor as a whole? How have you guys had to adjust to, to what's happened in the last four or five months? Yeah, so as Conveyor as a whole, I think they reacted very well and, and very quickly. Um, uh -huh. So we have a big business I think there's there's over 2,000 people of us working across the UK and a large number of them are also sort of contact centre staff um, and right. so weren't set up to work remotely or anything like that but within I think it was within a couple of days 98% of the staff were, were working remotely um, and we've we've been able to operate pretty much normally the whole way through um, which I think is is really says a lot about the tech teams and everyone who's managed to, to get that to happen. Um, we did have a degree of flexibility before, um, but nothing yeah. on obviously what we're, we're working like now. So for me, I probably tended to work from home one day a week and um, now working from home five days a week for now. Um, and, and going forwards, it's, it's unlikely that we'll probably go back in full time. I think it's much more right. likely that we might go in sort of once or twice a week and then we'll be able to work from home the rest of the time which which is great um, from a recruitment perspective as well as, as personally um, because it really opens up a much bigger pool of candidates that we can have access to. I think if you're only having to commute once or twice a week you'll well I know I would travel much further um, rather than if it was to be every day. Um, what else? So we, we were really lucky we carried on recruiting throughout the whole of lockdown um, things didn't really slow down in, in tech anyway um, and I think that did work in our favour a little bit too. A lot of our competitors who we sort of compete with for talent, they did did sort of pause recruitment for a while and so that almost yeah. meant that we had 
sort of pick of, of a lot of people who were, were looking for new roles. So lots of things have changed. Um, the biggest one obviously being working remotely, but I think Kavea have done a actually really good job of um, carrying on operating efficiently, but also making sure that everyone is, is okay and is able to do their job. And there's definitely some positives to take away. Um, yeah, the big one being, being the ability to work remotely. Yeah. How, how have you found that? I've been speak, doing these podcasts and speaking to candidates and clients and all the rest of it. And I I would naturally assume everyone would be like, it's great, I get to work from home for five days a week. But I'm not. I, there's quite a few who sort of miss the office environment, especially if you've got a great environment, which companies like you guys probably do. Yeah. Have you seen that a lot of people are as keen to get back in the office as they are to, to stay where they are? And do you think that this pandemic has almost shown purveyor in this instance that working from home can work uh, and that you can function just as effectively if not more so by being even more flexible than maybe you were before it all started yeah definitely so I think it's it's 100% shown any anyone who was doubting if we could kind of work work from home that we can we've been able to operate sort of 100% remotely so um there's definitely going to be a degree of that taken forwards. But I, I have been surprised by how many people want to get back into the office, but I do understand it as well. I think there's definitely yeah. a balance to be had. Um, but you do miss that environment. Um, I'm, I'm quite lucky, sort of, I've, I've seen sort of a few people throughout and um, I don't live on my own and things like that. And I think with my job, I'm speaking to people all day, every day. So I don't kind of have that loneliness element of things because I am talking to to everyone still but um I definitely can see why people miss it and I definitely miss it to a degree that I'll definitely be going back in sort of once twice a week when we can yeah definitely now you talked then about how um Kavea has very fortunately continued recruiting pretty much straight through the pandemic how have you found that how have you found the market uh, and what I mean by that is when the pandemic first started I wrongly I think assumed oh the floodgates are going to open there's going to be .NET developers we never knew existed flooding the market and JavaScript and, and all the stuff, data engineers, data science, a lot. And it, it there has been more, but maybe not as many as, as you would think because people have gone on furlough and have not wanted to move because of uncertainty. How have you found recruiting for some of the roles post uh, or during the pandemic as opposed to before it? Yeah, so I think it's, it's almost been a market of, of two halves. So there okay. has been... Um, unfortunately obviously quite a few redundancies and things like that across the market so that does mean there is a lot more candidates on the market than there usually would be we're seeing a yeah. lot more applications through the adverts and stuff than I, I've ever seen before and um, sometimes yeah. for, for our tech roles it wouldn't be unusual to not see a single application for, from the advert it's a lot more sort of sourcing you know you know what it's like you've actually kind of got to proactively search those people out but I'm seeing more and more applications directly um, and also applications for people who are sort of almost massively overqualified for the roles that they're applying for as well um, so yeah. we are looking at as business kind of what we can do around that and is there any way we can kind of make the most of these people that are applying for these roles but then I think the other side of things is that people are very nervous to move and um, there is a lot of hesitation and I completely understand that as well and um, they've got that stability of their current role and they're quite reluctant to leave that um, and on that side of things as I, we've, I've seen 
a lot more people kind of withdraw very last minute from offers and everything than than I've seen before too. Not huge numbers, but we we have had more people pull out perhaps like a week before they were meant to start and things like that more than that I've seen before. So is yeah, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. Sorry, is that Sorry. to go to other roles or that's because they, they've decided to stay where they are? Yeah, I think they've got, well, most of them have got cold feet and decided to stay where they are. Mm. Okay. And do you find now that more people know who you are? As in, you know, I mean, we see a role in Halifax that, that, that's quite generic, advertised by another agency or whatever, and go, that's Kavea. Do you find that now? Do you find that more and more people know who you guys are as opposed to maybe when you started in October because of the, the volume of recruitment you've been doing? I think so. We're getting there with that. Um, when I joined, I, I certainly hadn't really heard of Kavea before. Um, <laughs> and But I think we've been doing a lot of work, um, especially the sort of engagement team and, and stuff like that around getting our name out there. Um, yeah. And I think it's getting to that point now, a combination of of just the volume of roles we have and people talking about it and seeing our adverts everywhere. Um, and we've been doing other things like events and, and all sorts, really, content all over the place. Um, and that is really helping raise that awareness. And I think being one of the, the bigger employers in Halifax does help as well. Often, if you'll see a, a tech role in Halifax, it's very likely to be us. So definitely has its advantages. Yeah, well, I was thinking how to phrase that because I don't want a baying mob from Halifax at my house tonight. So I was going to try and think of a way of saying that obviously when you think of Yorkshire and, and business and all the rest of it, you maybe naturally think of Leeds, Sheffield, mm -hmm. maybe all these places. Do you see being in Halifax as an advantage from that point of view, that, that you are an option outside of these core areas? Mm, I'm starting to. So when I first joined, I did think it would be one of the harder harder sort of parts of the role trying to almost yeah. sell Halifax to people but actually it does have its benefits there are a lot of people who don't want to work city centre um yeah. but also it's it's very commutable a lot more than I would have ever thought so there's direct trains in from Manchester um yeah. Leeds obviously Huddersfield all, all those surrounding areas so we're, we're actually quite well placed for a lot of commuters to, to travel in um yeah but as well, yeah, those people who don't want to work city centre, it's it's quite nice. You can be close enough to a city to get all the perks of that. But then there's lots of like lovely rural surrounding areas where people would probably prefer to live. Yeah, definitely. Now you touched on this before. So so getting back to, to the nitty gritty, if you like, of recruiting during the pandemic and the differences and what have you. So you actually mentioned this yourself. When you see a CV that is overqualified, What's the what's the Kavea or the or Becky's approach to that? Do you immediately dismiss them as being someone who just wants a job at the moment? Because that, you can understand that to a degree, can't you? If someone's out of work, they want a job. How how would you assess someone like that who is on paper overqualified for for a role that you may have? Yeah, so I think I wouldn't want to kind of immediately just say no straight away because they might they've obviously able to do the job even if they're overqualified and and you don't know their situation it might be that they want to take something that's a little bit less stressful or you know they've got something else they might be studying and so don't want to kind of commit to the hours that a more senior role might um might involve but I think I would usually try find out a little bit more about their personal situation you know if obviously if they've not got the skills they've not got the skills but if it's that they're overqualified it's definitely worth having a conversation with them because 
they, they might have a reason for applying for this role but also they once you found out a little bit more about them and what they're looking for you you might actually know of a role that's coming up in in a week that they're actually a perfect yeah. fit for so I think it would be a waste of a potentially a good candidate just to immediately say no if obviously it's sometimes a question of volume um I know for say, for example some of the customer service roles we've had ridiculous number of applications and then it, it will be impossible to call through every single one of them to find out a bit more about what they're looking for but if the volume allows I would always try just to find out a bit more about that the sort of personal circumstances Definitely. And would you say that's the same answer in effect for, for my next question, which was going to be, I know you recruit for perm and contract there, don't you? Um, we're seeing an awful lot of contractors who want to go across to perm. And there's always been a wearing, I'm sure you remember when you're on this side of the fence, there's always a wariness yeah. about more so now because, you know, I speak to some some end companies where they're, they're really worried that they're just going to take this job and maybe in six months or 12 months when the market really picks back up again, they go again. Is your answer the same on that, is, is to speak to these people and not just judge it off, off an application? Is that, is that yeah, yeah, because I think some, I can, I can understand why they might want to, to move to a permanent role at the moment and then especially with the kind of impending IR35 changes and stuff as well, there's many there's so many valid reasons why you might want to make that shift back into perm um so yeah, yeah. I just ask them I would I would have that conversation and just ask them and you know at the end of the day they might they might lie they might they might not tell you the truth but um you'd like to think that you can have an honest conversation about it and if they can give you valid reasons why they're looking to make that shift into perm you know so many contractors bring such a, a wealth of experience they've, they've seen so many different things I think it would be silly just to say no straight away because they've been contracting yeah definitely definitely moving on this was a question I asked last week on LinkedIn and I got a myriad of answers um so I'll just ask you because um, you'll know um do <laughs> Conveyor, if someone's applying for a job through an agency, for example, in this instance, do you ask the agency to supply the candidate's current salary? If so, why? And if not, why not? There you go. We usually do, or at least salary expectations. Um, right. Usually it's, but it's nice to see both. Um, I think it's a funny one and I'm not 100% sure where I stand on asking for current salary because yeah. I think sometimes it's a good gauge of level of experience and and that, that sort of thing but also they might be in a company that perhaps pays extremely well or they might be in a company that you know they might have been in the same company for like 10 years and, and not really see much of a pay rise and things like that so it, I would be very reluctant to judge just too much on that figure but again I think it's quite important to at least know their salary expectations because if they're way out of budget we don't want to waste anyone's time if we we can't afford to hire them at the end of the day I think it can be quite dangerous interviewing a candidate who's way too expensive because they're they're more expensive for a reason and then they're almost the benchmark and no one will compare um so yeah tough question I think it's important to at least no expectations it can be helpful yeah. to know current salary as well um but it's not kind of a deal breaker if we we don't get told that yeah it, it, i've not met anyone yet who knows who can because mm. like you say i mean we speak to clients and if we leave it off they say why have you left off their current salary what are they hiding but then you speak to a candidate and i've never i've been doing this a long time as of you i've never been able to come up with an answer when they say 
why do you need to know my current salary? Surely it should mm. matter what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I, I get it. I, I don't think there is a right answer, is there? It was just really interesting yeah. last week when I mentioned it. A lot of candidates were really sort of, why do you need to know? Why does anyone need to know kind of thing? So, okay. Yeah, I think more and more people are kind of shifting that way as well. And at, at the end mm. of the day, I don't, I don't think you do really need to know, do you? But um, it's more of a ni- nice to know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you, you talk you talk then obviously about um, there were certain roles you get a lot of CVs for. One of the things we're trying to do on a podcast like this when we speak to people like yourself with your knowledge and experience is how would you stand out? How would you What would you advise in generic terms for these guys to stand out if they're applying for a role where there is going to be a lot of competition or there is going to be an awful lot of applicants and an awful lot of CVs? Would you advise, I mean, I always sort of say to these people, send the CV and potentially follow it up or tailor the CV to the job you want. Is that the sort of thing you would you would advise as well in order to try and emphasise their skills to someone like yourself? Exactly, yeah. I would say always tailor your CV. Um, mm-hmm. You know, look, look through the job spec, look at a few of the key things that they're looking for and then try to echo that in your CV. Um, yeah. obviously when someone's reading your CV that that's what they're going to be looking for um, so really try get almost those keywords if you like in there um, to really make yeah. yourself stand out but then yeah it's following that up with a more personalized approach as well so um, I, I don't mind it when people will drop me a message on LinkedIn saying you know I've applied for this role or um, asking any questions about it or drop us an email I think that it's not essential you know it, at the end of the day if you've got a perfect CV and you're the best fit for the role we will we will sort of notice you but I think it can't harm to to drop a little personalized message or something either and it just just kind of brings it to your attention perhaps brings you to the top of the inbox if you like yeah definitely no it's good so a few more quick questions do degrees matter no I know I don't think I would go to uni now if no I don't think I would go to uni then if I knew what I know now um I don't I think experience is much more important at the end of the day and I think apprenticeship there's going to be a big shift towards apprenticeships and stuff as well I think um with the sort of levies that businesses have to spend and everything like that I think um I wouldn't be surprised to see a shift towards that sort of things or more of these kind of hands-on boot camps and and everything like that I think you can learn a lot from going to university and I definitely did learn a lot like and I wouldn't have got my first job without a degree because it was a graduate job um but as well, I think there's so much you can learn just by kind of getting to work as well. Um, but I don't yeah. know. Uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think they're that important anymore. <laughs> education matters, kids. If you're looking, it does. If you're listening and reading and watching, education matters. Just not. It does. It does. And for some some <laughs> jobs, it's absolutely cr- critical. Like my younger yeah. sister has just gone back to uni to study teaching because obviously wow. you couldn't you couldn't be a teacher without a degree, could you? So there's yeah. some jobs. That you need it for but I think there's other jobs where actually it can be just as beneficial to kind of go and learn that doing the job rather than going learning it in the classroom. Definitely and from you assessing CVs or your hiring managers assessing CVs on the technical side do they look look for degrees in, in computer science? Is, is that a, um, a deal? I not for the more senior roles no anything that's kind of like mid mid-level up more experienced higher I wouldn't tend to look um unless there's a a very specific reason why they might not need to have a you know degree in this but it's rare I think the experience is much more important perhaps when it comes to a more junior entry-level role I would look at the qualifications not necessarily degree but yeah a degree or apprenticeship or a boot camp something like that just because there's less 
less to look at in terms of experience so those qualifications I think are a little bit more important earlier in your career um, but no when it comes to the more experienced hires I, I typically wouldn't wouldn't even look if I'm honest no okay <laughs> um, another question do job specs look for years of experience do they ever say five years experience in C sharp or whatever it may be or do they not I hope not. They they shouldn't do. Um, we are doing a little bit of work around refreshing our job specs and stuff. We they are quite, they're very long, um, <laughs> and quite old school. But no, we we're trying to make sure we rule rule out any sort of anything in terms of sort of discrimination and making sure they're all very inclusive. So um, we would try avoid putting anything like X years number of experience because obviously that will rule out someone who's younger. Yeah, well, yeah, I was going to say, based on what I've been hearing in the market, that's the right answer, sir. So it's all good. <laughs> so the big, the big two words that I've heard for, for the last however many years is, is candidate experience. Is that something you guys really focus on there? Because like I think you mentioned, alluded to it earlier, a good candidate for conveyor for one role um, might not be a good candidate for another and vice versa. So in six months, 12 months time, you want them to come back. Yeah. And I certainly know enough companies in Yorkshire who we ring someone and they say, it's not for company X, is it? Because I applied nine months ago and had a bad experience. Is it something that, that in your position you've really emphasised that Caveo has been important? Yeah, I think it is really important. And I don't think we've got it perfect yet. Um, like I said, we're, we're quite a new talent acquisition team. We're, we're on that journey and we're learning new things all the time. Um, but it's so important at the end of the day. Yeah, the the talent pooling kind of the north isn't, isn't huge and so you don't want to not be able to go back to people but also people talk and you don't want someone to have a bad experience and then tell their friends who will then tell their friends and um, then you know quite quickly negative mm. views on your business get out so I think kind of experience is is absolutely critical to, to sort of being successful when it comes to hiring um, and yeah we, we are working to, to even improve it but I think I think we do quite well at the moment. Yeah. And, and is that in just simple terms, things like getting back to people if they're unsuccessful, feeding back within certain time frames, this sort of thing? Yeah, that's, I think, quality of feedback as well. So something that I've been sort of slowly introducing over the last few months is when I'm getting interview feedback, I'll try to get sort of three positives, um, a bit of more sort of detailed feedback, that, but then also three takeaways and things that they could work on. So if they were to come back, say, in six months, 12 months time, they would be much more likely to get that job. Um, so just something that you can take away to, to develop, really. So, yeah, we're looking at the sort of the quality of that feedback um, as well as how quick it is. Um, things like the amount of information we can provide to them beforehand so that they feel really ready for that interview. The same before the tech tests, really explain to them what to expect so they can they can do their best. Um, and then all, all the way sort of up to an after offer stage as well. So making sure the hiring managers stay in contact, they know what to expect on their first day, everything like that, really. Yeah. And I guess this is one of the things about recruitment agencies and why you may have heard they have a, a bad rap is you have to make sure that that extends through anyone you work with on a recruitment basis. They have to mm. hold those values as closely as you do, I, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When when you're working with an agency, they're basically representing you to the candidate market. So those yeah. candidates are getting their first impression of you through mm -hmm. them. Um, so I think yeah. it's really important that the agencies have all that information as well. One thing that we've actually started doing 
probably got it I've no idea how long ago, maybe a month or so ago time's just yeah. lost at the moment and um, we ran um an agency partnership session so all remote obviously but um sat down with the four agencies in our PSL and just to update them on everything like that so remind them of our process and uh, the journey that we're on taught them through through key projects that we're working on and um, our tribes everything about kind of interview process like online psychometrics everything like that so basically they they were as fully prepared as they could be to to give that experience to yeah and it's so important isn't it that we have a phrase here we want to work with clients and it sounds yeah. twee and it's a bit cheesy but there are clients who are still a bit old school here's the job spec send us your best three cvs mm. and that's probably where bad recruitment practice comes in because if you're encouraging agencies to work like that you're going to get the service that a lot of people don't want whereas if you like you say if they're an extension of your business um you can be ensure that conveyor's name in the marketplace stay stronger and and through them you get the kind of experience that you're looking for yeah exactly and I know from from working in agencies well how frustrating it is when you don't have that information that you need so you know mm. candidates will ask you a question you have to be like oh I'll get back to you on that and, and then you're at you know you're the middleman and I think if you've just got that information straight away it's a much better experience for everyone yeah definitely definitely so the floor is yours here I, when we work with people we all say to them why would anyone work at insert company name mm -hmm. so why i guess you say this to all your candidates as well so you'll have this down <laughs> but why would a uh, you know a senior tech professional who you know you, you sit and do the same job as i do pretty much you know the opportunities that these guys have got they've got a lot of opportunities especially the the top end skilled guys why would they come to Kavea? why what, what is it about Kavea which is is the sell if you like yeah so i think like I said before, we're, we're in that quite unique position where we're, we're in the middle of this huge digital transformation, um, which means that there genuinely is kind of the the opportunity to to shape things, to put your stamp on things, and you are actually given the the kind of autonomy to, to do that. Um, I think it's rare that you can join such a big business and, and be able to really, yeah, shape things, change things, and, and deliver on that. And I think, yeah, it's just really exciting. Um, and you can see see where we've been and see where we're going. And I think, yeah, you'd be crazy not to want to be part of it. <laughs> <laughs> the new slogan. I, I have one final question, and this is the most important question of everything, Becky, and I didn't prep you for this. <laughs> oh, no. We've talked about recruitment, we've talked about Kavea, we've talked about the market, the pandemic. However, we ask everyone at the end of these these little interviews we do, which would you rather fight? Now, I'm sure you're not a violent lady, but if you had to, <laughs> Who would you, what would you rather fight? 20 duck-sized horses mm -hmm. or one horse-sized duck? Now, you've got to think about it. Don't rush into this. This is strategic. No, I'd 20... say this is an easy one. So I, I actually have horses. So I would 100% oh, say 20 duck-sized horses. I would rather take my chances with those. <laughs> Why? Instead of because, one duck-sized horse? Because... No, 20, yeah, 20 duck-sized horses because I think I just understand them. I know, I know, <laughs> I would know how to scare them off. Um, yeah, no real rationale behind it, but I think I'll be much more comfortable fighting off the horses than the, the giant duck. <laughs> you wouldn't believe, we put posts on trying to get traction and you name it on LinkedIn, and that is the one question which everyone has an opinion on. 
never mind what's the market like, contract be perm, salaries, you name it. <laughs> that question is sweeping Yorkshire as to what you would rather do. And we should give a special mention um, to a certain dog sat not very many feet from you. Uh... No one can see it, but Baxter. <laughs> Can we see Baxter before we go? He's fast asleep. <laughs> He's been very good. He's been a lot better than I thought he would be. <laughs> yeah, we've been on set of hooks for the last 50 minutes waiting for a dog to come flying across and take <laughs> us out. But Becky, listen, thank you so, so thank much. For, thank you for coming online. Um, we'll share this out on LinkedIn, as you know. Everyone apply to Kavea. Um, send me your CV first, but then apply to Kavaya. <laughs> and we'll go from there. But listen, Becky, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Steven. Teach you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. -bye.